0: Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alvstedt, here with Keith Myers. Keith, hi. How you doing, man? You've been really busy this week. I'm sure it's probably really good for you to sit down and talk some Seahawks football.
1: Oh, yeah. I've been needing the, I've been needing the break, um, chance to sit down and, and talk some Seahawks with you. I've been moving, and moving sucks. So it's been, uh, it's been a stressful couple of days, but I'm in the new place in my new studio, which sounds terrible because there's a lot of echo, um, which we'll I, have get to, that figured out. I have to figure out how to get rid of that before next week. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's been fun, but I'm here and God, I need a chance to sit and talk football with you, Bill. It's been been <laughs> something I've needed.
0: <laughs> the last time we, we got together and, and talked, it just seems like it's been forever ago, like a completely different house and completely different life. And now you're here and here, here we are. So the, um, The cool thing is, Keith, in today's show, we get to talk about the fact that you actually went to a training camp. You sat up on the berm. You moved around a little bit. you watched some specific position groups. We're going to have that conversation. So that's going to be awesome. Yeah, and it was a Um, long
1: camp practice, too. Usually they ran about two hours. This one ran about two hours and 45 minutes.
0: And and you and I haven't even had a chance to talk about it at all. So I'm just totally jazzed. In fact, I we were on before uh, we, we actually started recording. I completely forgot that you went. <laughs> and I was running through what we were going to talk about. And he was like, well, I actually did go to camp. And I was like, oh, yeah, we, we have to talk about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and
1: it's one of those things where getting a chance to actually watch the players makes a big deal. Um, You get to see a lot of things, a lot of little details that just you can't see uh, as well when you're watching the feed on, uh, online and um, some of the stuff that happens, you know, a little bit away from the play and, and watching, watching the coaches teach and, and you can get some, some insight there. And, and yeah, just there's so much more to learn when you're actually at the practice.
0: So uh, we'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. I think first, um, just wanted to share uh A couple of things, a couple of housekeeping things, uh, important dates ahead that we're looking at as we move through uh, towards the regular season uh, beginning, which is um, the second week of September, Um, August 17th, the roster needs to be reduced, uh, reduced to 85 players, Uh, August 24th, reduced to 80 players. And then the 31st at 1 p.m., the roster cuts down to 53. And we're going to have some shows around those as well um, to talk about some of those cuts. And um some of the roster prediction stuff that uh, that we like to do every year around that. And then um, they also get to to form the practice squad on September 1st plus the international player. We think that's going to be Donker. Um, who else could it possibly be? I don't know, maybe maybe Lestage <laughs> since he's from Canada. Um, other than that, I think he's uh, Donker is the assigned international player that they have that um, they can have that exemption for on the practice squad. Okay. So that's all we really have. There's, you know, uh, Jamal Adams is still out there, not practicing. He, the good news is he is at camp. There's probably working out details. I would imagine he probably would not be at camp if they were far apart. Yeah. I would imagine that they're just hammering out little things that are really important to him. Well,
1: and the reason why he's not practicing actually isn't, um, yeah, absolutely related to any of that. He had, surgery on both shoulders uh and on a hand uh during the off season, so he is still recovering a little bit they're working him in slow uh pete carroll said that they could get him out there and play him but they just don't want to risk
0: re-injury or
1: or you know have him like a hamstring or something come up so they're getting him
0: in that would the shape. be a nightmare yeah to 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 have that going on while you're renegotiating in a contract. So,
1: yeah. So they're, they're bringing him along slowly and, and, and making sure that he um, is ready to go week one, fully healthy, fully in shape all of that. So um, no real concern with any of that.
0: So yesterday Shane Waldron and Pete Carroll gave a little pressers, not a lot of information, just kind of reconfirming everything um, that we are seeing and, and kind of tying into to what you saw. Um, he mentioned, Shane Waldron did, how hard the offensive line is working um, in in getting to their spots. Every, everybody looks good. Um, running back group as a whole, his working relationship with Rus- Russell Wilson is developing, and feels really confident in that. So it was interesting to kind of hear him talk. He's just a positive guy that seems very competent when he's relaying the information there. Um, Pete Carroll, again, is Pete Carroll. He's going to talk about almost everybody in glowing terms. The only thing that um, you know, he he mentioned some some players uh, specifically, Freddie Swain. Uh, he gave an Eskridge update on his um, toe. I think it's his toe. Yep. Apparently, he was fitted with some new shoes. He had a workout yesterday, ran some sprints, no problems, no pain whatsoever. So now they're going in conditioning mode, getting getting him ready to to get introduced into practice. Mm-hmm. So he's still probably a week away. He's going to miss the training camp scrimmage, live scrimmage at Lumen Field this Saturday. Um, but n- no big deal. You know, I think that he's he's been a part of the the workouts. He's standing on the field. He's l- watching reps. He's listening to coaches. So hopefully he's not missing too much there. Um, Penny Hart, he's mentioned a, a ton. The tight end group, Cedric Abouahe. <laughs> You know some of these players we can talk about as as our conversation goes on today, but um, I thought it was interesting to to listen to those guys talk about um, about different guys. But let's get to let's get to on the ground. Mm-hmm. On the ground, reporter Keith Myers <laughs> <laughs> had a training camp visit this last weekend, and um, let's let's dive in.
1: Yeah, so I spent a lot of my time um, watching the defensive backs because, in part, because the defense was um on the near field and the offense was at the far field at the start of practice and also because it was the last non-pads day so they were just in shells and um so just watching that it, you can't get as much out of watching the, the linemen when they can't hit people and and that kind of stuff so you know just spending my time watching um a lot of the defensive backs and there's some interesting stuff one is um, Akela Witherspoon is the best cornerback in camp. Um, at least he was that day, and it wasn't that close.
0: He, That's a consistent, um, thing that we've been hearing.
1: Yeah. He is, um, really sticky in coverage. He's, uh, does a great job, makes a play on the ball. When he was covering DK Metcalf, um, the offense struggled a little bit. And when he wasn't, when someone else was in there, it was like when it wasn't, if the, the offense was going to score, it was just how easily um because it was, you know, they were Wilson would complete three or four passes. um At least half of them were to DK Metcalf and they would march down the field.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know if I feel good about that or if I feel bad about that. It's like, you're happy for DK. That's, going to be a given, you know, on, on quite a few different Sundays, but, uh, to know that we don't have anybody else depth wise behind, uh, whether to do anything to affect that is, is a little bit concerning.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, but you know, and that, there were some interesting other things going on, going on, like, uh, you know, Ryan Neal was in playing the part of, um, well, was he playing the part of Blair and Blair was playing, playing the part of, that's um, of met, or yeah. of Adams or was he yeah. just playing the part of Adams because the way that those guys interchanged in terms mm-hmm. of their assignments and what they were doing, it was hard to tell whether Blair was being Blair and, uh, Neil was being, um, Adams or whether Blair was being Adams and Neil was being Blair. Like that's just um, so
0: exciting to me. Cause that just, shows the diversity that we've mm-hmm. got on this roster especially at that position at the safety position up in the box. Mm-hmm. I think that we just have a ton of options there when you add in, you know, Jordan's athleticism, um Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner obviously. That that area of the field that middle um center close up to the line of scrimmage there is just going to be so tough for offenses to be able to do anything mm-hmm. after this thing kind of gets into a groove.
1: Yeah. And so one of the things that was really interesting about that is that, you know, you'd see the offense would come out in a certain formation, some, some, send someone in motion, and you'd see, rather than um, the Seahawks you know, stay in, in a kind of a, a base set, you'd see Witherspoon actually follow. And then Ryan Neal would come up um, to the person who's now the outside corner or outside wide receiver who started out in the slot and come up in press coverage, uh, like you said, so they're,
0: they're just completely comfortable switching yeah. at, at the personnel, and no problem. Yeah, and so they that's would: cr- that's they, amazing.
1: yeah, they bring Neil up and he'd be in press coverage, he'd, and basically he took over the responsibility of the outside corner so that way Witherspoon could follow um, his assignment, and it was just just little wrinkles like that that was it was very un Pete Carroll um, to see. Mm. Uh but very interesting to me uh to watch those rotations and
0: and uh Has kind of always been really adaptive, you know, depending on personnel and stuff, so I mean when he has the right people that he trusts can do the job i you know he's totally open, I think to that and i, I I'm excited to see that actually um because that is a big difference, you know you always used to see guys. Playing out of position a little bit, just because they they kind of were forced to. They they were allowing offenses to dictate terms, and this personnel group, you know, not everybody on the defense like this, but uh, quite a few guys are able to, you know, move around a little bit. And you add like uh, Demarius Randall to that Mm -hmm. as well. He's got a lot of experience at safety now at corner. I'm sure that they have ideas of being able to to use him. I think that you know he's had a good enough camp. based on everything you see and read where I think he's probably a lock on the on the roster. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it does kind of seem that uh he has uh, a leg up over a guy like uh Pierre de Um and so you're gonna see you know Reed and and Witherspoon be the starters. Amadi seems um like he's kind of got that the third corner, but he may not play much as much because they're going to play three safeties a lot, um, because of Blair, but he's kind of got that third corner spot nailed down. Um, you think, does.
0: you think because they, they really have kind of interchanged Blair into that spot as well, as well as playing some of the, the Adams role in the, in the defense, if Adams is off the field or whatever. So yeah. And then,
1: and with Ryan Neal playing the way he is, um, yeah, I mean, they've just moved guys around and 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 made it. They are playing a lot of three safety. Um, and so that has been been interesting. Um, another guy who I should probably bring up um, would be Ashari Crosswell.
0: Mm, I was just going to mention him.
1: Um, yeah. He's a guy who I honestly wouldn't have given a, a <laughs> shot at all into making the roster before going up to watch and he's real comfortable um in there he's a, a free safety does well in the back end um familiar with the cover 3 and his responsibilities and just has that knack of um kind of recognizing what's going on and getting that break towards where the play is going a step early um so that he can get there on time he's not getting there you know after uh, the play has already been made by the offense. And so it's, it, he was kind of fun to watch too. Um, and honestly, he may be the like, the backup free safety. Like yeah. uh, right now it's, it's, you know, you'll think, think of it as, as Marquise Blair, but um, Blair, they really want up in the box or, yeah. or in coverage. And um, so to have that, you know, the person at the back end, I mean, you've got uh Amadi who could do it, but he doesn't get a lot of practice time there. Um, And so Crosswell may be the guy and he looked good in camp and he, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he, if he makes the roster.
0: Yeah. Um, Corbin Smith came out with a, um, with kind of a a camp update that was out on video that I saw this morning. And he mentioned, um, Crosswell specifically as a guy that he was impressed with and, and uh, stood out a little bit in that group. And the other guy was well two guys um trey flowers and and Randall were also kind of frequently mentioned as having good camps so far what did you get a chance to see flowers and
1: i, you know, I did does he, Flower, does
0: he kind of fit out there flowers in group?
1: made um a couple of big plays he like and they kind of stacked in a row where it was like it felt like um um uh, Geno Smith was like trying to go after him and uh, flowers was having none of it. And so it was like, you know, um, so he, he was playing well, but of course, you know, he's playing with the second group, right? So he had, he was playing against Gino, and he was playing um, against some of the uh, lesser known wide receivers, but he still looked good out there. I, I think flowers looks like a guy that's going to make the roster is probably the fourth corner.
0: And then it comes down to Desir and, and Randall. And Randall. In your mind.
1: And, and I think Randall's got that job. Um
0: How about Trey Brown? We haven't talked about Trey Brown
1: yet. You know, I didn't really see much of Trey Brown. Um, I know he was out there, he was playing, whatever, but I just never saw him make a play. Um, And that might just be, that's where the play went, you know, and that kind of stuff. Or it might just be that he's learning and, and isn't quite uh, at 100% speed yet. Um, and so, yeah, I just didn't see him make, make any plays. And, and so he's a guy that I think is probably going to make, I mean, he'll make a roster that, that's for certain, but, um, whether or not he sees the field early in the season, I don't know, uh, as the season progresses, I bet he'll play more and more,
0: you know, he's a special teams guy, you know, he liked to play special teams in college, made, made plays there. So he's just going to have to start with that and mm-hmm. uh, try to try to work himself in. Um, anybody else of note, like, uh, you know, if you're going to watch the defensive backs, there are some drills where you're going to go up against wide receivers. Any wide receivers, um, other than, um, DK Metcalf that stood out to you?
1: <laughs> um, I can tell you a receiver who didn't that I expected him to, and that would have been, um, Penny Hart. Uh, all the, you know, um, you know, when we did our live show up there, um, Corbin Smith raved about him and how, how much he's mm-hmm. in, he's Im, improved and looks like he's going to be a big impact guy. I didn't see him make a single catch. Um, on in that the, day. Uh, on that day, during the 11 on 11 girls.
0: Yeah. And pers- all you've heard since, too, that, that time, we've had a couple practices since then with pads and stuff, and, and his name's come up again as somebody that kind of had a big
1: Yeah, big so day. it, it might have just been that practice. Um the guy who showed quite a bit uh, was John Ursula made some made a, a couple of really tough catches over the middle, um, had a couple catches where he would be able to get the ball down and, and then get down the sideline before getting touched because you know there are no pads they're not tackling. Um, caught a touchdown, um, just made a bunch of plays and looked good. They ran a on one. During the 11-on-11s, it was like third and 21 or something because of a, a false start and a sack. Um, and they ran basically a wide receiver screen to uh, John Ursula and he picked up like 16 yards. It wasn't enough for a, um, for the first down, but it was a huge chunk of getting that back and getting them back in a field goal range type of thing. And so that was actually kind of um, fun. He, he was just a fun guy. that was fun to watch. Um, the other, the other person who stood out really was Gerald Everett, man, that guy looks smooth running and catching the ball. He looks like a natural receiver, um, and caught a touchdown from Wilson that was thrown kind of low. And so he had to like reach down about his knee and grab it. Um, and you couldn't tell that it was like an awkward catch. It was just like, boom, there he got it. And he's and yeah. Still running. Um, so very natural. Will Disley looked, um, he made a couple plays that looked okay. Colby Parkinson was all over the place. Um,
0: those names just keep coming up. <laughs> they're like just, all just, three of those guys.
1: Yeah, they're trying to get Parkinson the ball. He's lining up in the slot a lot, they're moving him around. And I want to say that dude is tall. And it shows up. I mean, he's out, out there on a field full of guys that are 6'2, 6'3. And then you see this helmet just above the rest of everybody yeah. else.
0: The um, only guys on the team that are as tall as him are the two tackles that that are new to the team. Forsyth yeah. and the and the the other undrafted rookie guy. I can't remember his name right now. Yeah.
1: Um and but so Parkinson's tall. He kind of runs like a guy who's that tall. Um, he looks like he's all knees at times. Uh, but
0: there's no so he doubt. He doesn't look, he doesn't look smooth. Do you,
1: And he doesn't look as smooth. Um, I don't know if there's ever been anyone that tall who looks smooth. I mean, even if you think about like in basketball guys, like Tim Duncan and David Robinson don't look that smooth when they run. Um, I guess, um, you know, um, uh, Kevin Durant, KD, uh, does, but he's might be, he's the exception yeah. of the, you know, the guy who's really tall, who actually looks like a smooth runner. um, <laughs>
0: Well, uh, all you hear about Parkinson is like, this guy's such a huge target. Um, it's it's just huge red zone opportunities. Kind of what we've talked about in the last, you know, three mm-hmm. or four weeks, um, just talking about players. And that seems like it's kind of been reinforced during this camp.
1: Yeah. When they were doing red zone drills, they ran a couple of fades into the corner with him. Um, neither of which were caught. You can tell that he and, and Wilson still are figuring out, um where the ball needs placed and where he needs to get to um but it was pretty clear they want to do that and they they just want they need to continue working on it and, and and getting it right um but yeah i mean it just he stands out he really does he's just he's just a mammoth guy and um i can't you know he can catch the ball too and he's got good hands so at some point, he and Wilson are going to figure that out, and they're just going to be really, really tough to stop
0: in that corner. So a couple of people that are, um, that are standing out in camp, according to reports, are, um, are the running back group, Rashad Penny, Alex Collins, and DJ Dallas. Although yesterday, um, Alex Collins put the ball on the ground two different times, mm-hmm. and it seems like that is why he didn't stick around the last time. Yep, that's, been his, um, that's So been that's got to be a concern. I I know that be, beyond that he's having a really nice camp. Yep. Um and so he, I hopefully he can correct that. Of course the offense yesterday was abysmal according to Pete Carroll. And he doesn't say that very often, but he said yeah, we got work to do yeah. on on offense.
1: Well, they put the ball on the ground a lot. Um and you know that doesn't help. Uh they also gave up a couple sacks, which you know is going to not make anybody happy. But um when I was out there the the running backs looked good. Um Carson had a couple of really nice runs. Um but he also didn't get a lot of carries. You know, I mean they they didn't they weren't working him hard. Um uh Collins had a couple of really nice ones, but the best running back on the field was DJ Dallas. Um he just looked wow. That's he looked terrific news was So really. explosive and fast and and the defense was struggling to keep up with him at times. like Because it, it, it comes down to the difference between these inside zone, which is the type of running that we're used to seeing, and the outside zone, which is what they ran a lot of. They ran a lot of outside zone runs um, during practice. And Dallas looked good. He just looked
0: straight up good. So Penny Hart was talking to the media and he talked about the role, his role, specifically but it kind of transcended between his role as a wide receiver and who he is as a player and a guy like dj dallas it sounded like they were almost interchangeable in the way that 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 waldron was lining them up in different spots and um and kind of the receiver out of the backfield thing and with penny hart you know he's going to be probably a guy that's going to be involved in some of those jet sweeps Mm -hmm. um, along with Eskeridge and so forth. What do you think about the fact that DJ Dallas and a guy like Penny Hart would be on the roster and maybe Eskridge kind of in that role where they're, they're moving those guys around a lot. Maybe some of it is disguise, um, you know, as, as it, it progresses, but just using those guys maybe even DK Medcalf and Lockett lined up in certain spots that we aren't quite used to seeing.
1: Oh, no, that, that, that's awesome. And your, your point about um, them using Dallas. Um, he wasn't just in the slot. He was on the outside. They, they moved him all over. Um, he, I mean, yeah, he took runs out of the backfield. He'd start in the backfield, go in motion. He'd start out he as, running
0: back in high school.
1: He'd, He's a running back in the pros, DJ was Dallas he? is. Um, I'm talking about Dallas, not Hart. Oh,
0: I'm, i was talking about Penny Hart. Um, but yeah, so, so you're talking about Dallas moving all over
1: the Yeah, place. they they were moving him all over. There was there, you know, there were times he'd line up as the outside wide receiver and then motion into the slot. Other times he'd line up as the outside receiver and motion all the way into the, into the backfield and then take a handoff. Um, I mean mm-hmm. they they literally would put him anywhere and motion him anywhere else.
0: Yeah, the conditioning this year is gonna to have to be off the charts <laughs> yeah <laughs> really?
1: um because he, yeah they're they're moving him all over and and he was playing a lot I mean this isn't a you know we're not talking about a guy that like is out there with uh the, the threes and fours he was out there with the starters um granted a lot of that was because Carson played very little um i didn't is that
0: concerning to you at all no, it seems like they did that last year as well yeah then, they're just and then, well hold on. And, and then the season happened and they did the same thing. Yeah. So you end up with a guy that's your best running back, your monster, getting less than 200 carries on, the, on a season or 200 and having 800 yards where you could feed him a guy like that a little bit more and, you know, he could have a larger impact on your, on well, your win-loss total, I think.
1: He'd have a larger impact over a fewer games because he's going to get hurt. And they want to have him out there when they need him. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna meter him. They're gonna keep him off the field and, and use his backups because they've got a deep uh, running back room. And then in the fourth quarter, in the four minute offense, when they need to grind out a, a drive, he's gonna be the guy who does it. And he's gonna get them those like you know forty yards in you know in the fourth quarter or fifty yards in the fourth quarter that need that they need to run the clock out. Um, and he's going to be available for that because
0: they keep him metered. Um, yeah, but then, I don't games. know that they have anybody else on the roster is going to wear out a defense a little bit. I mean, maybe just from running, <laughs> you know, running around chasing guys, but not actually punishing hits. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's part of it. But um,
0: with I mean, you'd the, never say that with beast mode. You'd never say, well, we're going to meter him, all that kind of stuff. No, yeah, we're going to use him because we're going to punish hurt. people.
1: But he didn't get hurt. He was available. Carson plays 14 or, you know, 12 to 14 games a year. He misses time and they don't want him. They, when they need him, they want him out there. And so that's what, what they're, they're doing with him. Um, and then, you know, they've got Penny and they've got Dallas, who both are, uh, they're different kinds of backs that will also give them yards. And the outside zone running game also makes the defensive lineman run more. They actually have to go, you know, they move laterally and they have to, there's just more ground for them to cover and it tires them out. And so you're tiring guys out by making them run a lot rather than tiring them out by hitting them a bunch. Um, it's just a different way of doing it.
0: So I would be completely remiss if I didn't talk to you a little bit about the offensive line. I don't know if you had a chance at all to see anybody um, during any the drills. Individual
1: drills and that, but once they got to the 11 on 11s, um, yeah, got a chance to to watch them pretty good, the, and the the, um, the the defensive line as well. But I didn't I didn't watch any of the individual drills that they ran. So um, I'll tell you, the interior of the line looked good. Um,
0: Postick wasn't out there.
1: I don't, yeah, Postic wasn't out there. Fuller was playing, and he looked you know it was fine. There's also no pads, so they they're not like. Mm -hmm. the defend the defenders aren't like really pushing um because they can't right it's limited contact uh where the troubles came in was at right tackle um where both the guys that that were that are competing over there at times struggled Um, mm -hmm. and they struggled because um Daryl Taylor is a beast.
0: Let's talk about the defense.
1: Because Daryl Taylor, he, not only is he big and strong and, and whatever, but that, that guy moves so quick. He's got that bend to get around the corner. There was one play when they were doing 11 on 11s and um, Gino was in there and um, Taylor came around the edge so quick. That he got to where Gino was before Gino hit the back of his drop, and he's not allowed to touch him because it's you know you're training camp, and he's wearing the red jersey. So he just gets up really close to him and starts dancing. <laughs> 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 um, and you are just like, wow, that would have been if that had been a real play, Gino would have been he
0: probably would have jarred the ball loose. Yeah,
1: Gino would have gotten de- decapitated because he's coming around, um, and that, and he's just he couldn't even hit the back of his drop.
0: Every time that Pete Carroll is asked in a press conference about Daryl Taylor, he is so consistent with his answer. It's like, yeah, Daryl Taylor showing up every day. He's playing the way that we want him to play. We're excited about yeah. him. He's looking great out there. No limitations. We're, you know, he's going to have a great impact this year. And I'm just like, wow, I'll take that every day. Yeah.
1: Um, he looks fantastic. Uh, again, no pads. Well, you know, things will improve for the offensive linemen usually when they get pads um so there's a little bit more contact and that kind of stuff but he was just so quick and for a guy his size to be that quick is 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 kind of scary um I will say that he was a pass rusher that day um when they were doing coverage drills where it was they had um, you know the linebackers and defensive backs working together um on their zones and their coverage and that kind of stuff. Taylor wasn't there. He was with the with the defensive linemen.
0: Did off, they put Cody list. Barton in there or did they put a Blair in there? Or Amadi?
1: Um well they rotated everyone through. Um it was hard you need to tell because it was just one of those drills where it was just the um just the defensive backs and linebackers and some of them put on A red thing over their helmet Mm -hmm. and then they were the offensive player for that. so did
0: daryl taylor line up in the leo spot um he did some five tech
1: he he did some in the leo spot he saw um some of the five tech there were times when they were doing in, in in the 11 on 11s where he was playing linebacker but on every single time where he was a linebacker he he rushed the passer. He never dropped back in a
0: coverage. Did he do that? I'm just curious. Did he do that? Did he kind of stunt inside on those? Or did he spend most of his time just completely outside?
1: Oh, he did everything. He did they did stunts oh, where he came so in, they ran around the edge.
0: He they had him How the... big is this player this year? I mean, is he like is it's... he being looked at in this defense as a key cog to make this entire thing
1: work? I think he is.
0: And he looks like he's just ready for crazy. it. Crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, again, no pads. We'll see.
0: Um, so Alden Smith, same sort of player, same sort of role. Is, are they like, uh, are they, Honestly, you know, option number one, option number two?
1: I didn't, see or much, they just, I didn't see much of Alden Smith as much as Daryl Taylor was easily seen and stood out and made plays. I kind of forgot Alden Smith was there.
0: So, um, yeah, we'll see. Another player, Mm -hmm. Um, Robert Kimdichie. Did you notice Robert Kimdichie? No,
1: but apparently he was dealing with, um, was it a hamstring or something? Um, And so he practiced some and then sat out a bunch. Um, And they're kind of working on him with that. Um heard, no, Ray- heard nothing but good things with him. No. Rashidin Green made a couple of plays that were I was kind of I was kind of like, huh, where did this come from? Because, you know, for three years he's been all potential and,
0: and no he's production. He's forgotten. He's forgotten. Yes. I don't even know. So I mean, when you look at the roster, when you look at the um who's gonna make it and who's not gonna make it, God, he is just on that bubble. There's just no getting around it especially if Kim Dietschy and Alden Smith make this roster. I don't know if there's a way that he gets here unless like a guy like Benson Mayo is gone and you almost need Benson Mayo because you want to have specific guys in specific roles. And Benson really fills that, Mm -hmm. that speed rush thing. Um, whereas Rasheem green, you know, he would have to get in there. um, As opposed to like Collier, I I just don't see that happening. But again, unless they get him to flip a, you know, somebody to flip a pick for him or something, he could, he could be on the outside.
1: It's hard to see a spot for him. Um, And I'm not even counting Alden Smith. It's just hard to find. There's so many players and and that have to make this roster. Um, You know, that.
0: uh, Is the team going to look at Alden Smith as a linebacker? Like, like. Taylor at strong side.
1: He's he is he is Daryl Taylor light.
0: So what happens if he if that is the case? Do you end up keeping six linebackers then this year? And And then what happens to your safety group? I'm know. just I mean I, I, you know what I mean it's like we have a
1: we have a 53 man roster show for yeah, right. cuz right. these questions are hard they really are because you look at him and you go okay if you're if you keep Alden Smith as a linebacker he's your sixth linebacker but he's also a defensive end so do you does that give you flexibility to let a guy like Hershey Green go since he get, since you've got Smith who can play both um or do you take a safety? Well, if you take out a safety, you know you're already looking at um, Ryan Neal, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Marquise Blair uh, making the roster, and if um, Ashari Crosswell is going to make the roster too, now now you're at five um, with just the safeties, and then you're like, I okay,
0: think, yeah, I think that you'd end before? up having to keep, but you'd have to make a decision like keeping Demarius Randall, which I think you keep anyway, but you know that Demarius Randall can play some safety if needed. And so you end up with a guy like Crosswell on the practice squad. Yeah, maybe. And you, and, and like the, the linebacker situation, you're going to have Cody Barton. I understand he's having a great camp. Daryl Taylor, Brooks Wagner, those are all locks. Then you've got Burke Irvin, and then you've got Alden Smith that are right there if you're if in that linebacker group, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And then on the defensive end side, combined with the defensive tackles, that's that's the hardest. That's going to be the hardest cuts, I think, in all of camp.
1: And it comes down to like, okay, Burke is your is a special teams ace. I mean, let's face it, he doesn't have a role on the defense, um, but what he does have is some fantastic special teams production. Um, and you've also got. Uh, you know your fullback uh, Nick Bellore who does nothing. nothing but special teams. Although he's played linebacker the last couple of days at practice, yeah. I understand because yeah. he was a linebacker for a while, and then now he's a fullback. But really, it's just a spot on the roster for him, so that way he can um go be your special teams captain and be awesome at that.
0: But so, you, who are the bubble players?
1: Um, well, I'm just saying, like when you have guys like Burke Hurvent and um. Belor that don't have a role outside of special teams, do they take up that, they, they, they take up a spot or how many of those guys do you want taking up a yeah.
0: spot? Well, or- we've certainly seen that in the past where the team has selected to keep um, Griffin in that similar mm-hmm. than Burkurbin role um, over, you know, other players that you thought maybe had a chance. I'm just looking at the, the roster going, okay, it's cut day you've got Benson Mayoa, Rasheem Green, Alton Robinson, Ben Burke maybe like a guy like uh, Robert Kamdichi even or Brian Monet, right? Are you going to keep four defensive tackles or just three and then have one of your defensive ends be a guy that can rotate inside once in a while? That those are the decisions they're going to have to make. So at least one of those guys is going to have to get cut. Yeah. I think you Rasheem Green I mean, I would try to get a pick for him Mm -hmm. out of that group because he's already duplicated on the roster quite a a bit.
1: Well, and you didn't even mention Cedric Lattimore, who the coaches love.
0: They love him.
1: And at times, like, you could see, like, he he has some explosiveness to him. Um, Again, no pads in practice. Uh, (laughs) But it it was there. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, there's... There's guy there's a there's talent here who can who can play should be on an NFL roster. Not on a practice squad, but on an actual 53 man roster. That's not gonna make this team. Um, I think it's gonna come down to a choice of Mayoa and Green. One of those two guys will make the roster. And they're two bold.
0: completely different players. True. It's, but so it's have, gonna really show you who they value, but like you, which position they value the
1: most. Uh, maybe, because you've also got guys, um, Taylor, Dunlap, um, even Smith, maybe Alton Robinson, who can play both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can swap back and forth. And so...
0: So that tells you everything you need to know right there about Rasheem Green, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: because Rasheem Green plays on the one side.
0: Um, and Ben is has probably on- got more value I I, it, it really, it, plays it's, on the it's hard side. because Rasheem Green can stop the run as well. He That's can all, set the edge and he can, has he does his flash moments. And so Ben Mayo is a one trick pony Yep, and he's going to have limited snap rolls. A guy like Green could come in and start for you and hold down the fort for weeks if needed, if Collier was injured or whatever. Assuming, so, that,
1: assuming that Green stays
0: healthy, which has been right.
1: his right. The biggest problem for him. Uh, I think we would we would see Rashim Green in a much different light if he had uh, been healthy more uh, over the last
0: three seasons. So nobody's going back to your original topic, defensive backs. Um, It's always been assumed this off season that DJ Reed was going to come in and hold down the fort on one side. I don't really hear very much going on about him, positive or negative. I think that he's doing his job. I think there was a couple. Quotes out there yesterday about him returning kicks or punts, and the team was kind of trying to figure that out. I'm not exactly sure if that makes sense or not because there's there's a few other guys I'd probably rather have returning kicks and punts than my starting outside boundary corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think about DJ Reed? Did you notice him? Um, did he stand out at all? Did he make any plays?
1: I did notice him. He just the jokes earlier about um uh parkinson standing out cuz he's like super tall. Uh you remember DJ Reed's not. Uh yeah. well,
0: he's like 58 or 9,
1: right? Yeah, he's like 59. He um that, that's that was always been the knock on him. He's, he's he's not a tall guy. He's not a big guy. Um but he's really sticky in coverage and um, does that st- sort of stuff well. Made some plays as far as like um you know, getting up on the ball and, and that kind of stuff. But really what it came down to is the person he was covering was rarely open. So they weren't throwing at him. Um Whereas with Witherspoon, yeah, the person he was covering was rarely open, but his person he was covering was also DK Metcalf. And so Wilson would throw to a covered Metcalf anyway. Um And so, so Witherspoon had more chances to, to make plays and show. Um And, Reed didn't because they just didn't throw at him. Um, so I think he was making play. He, just, he wasn't, there were no big spectacular plays. He just did his job and did it right, did it well. Um, and honestly, as your second corner, I'm okay with that. Uh, I will say that the, that job is not as set in stone as we would have thought a month You're, ago. Really? Yes. Because really? And the person who's pushing him is flowers Wow
0: um because because you've already assigned Akella Witherspoon to a starting role that is not going to be in question. He's I don't already done enough.
1: I don't look from what I saw, not just his play that day, but also the way that they were using him and the way that they were rotating him on to Metcalf um and letting and and adjusting the defense um assignments in order for him to let him to come across the field uh to the other side to, to follow metcalf around um that told me that he's the number one guy and they see him as that he's earned
0: you know here to see flowers and, and witherspoon are the only guys with size that could cover guys like dk and there's quite a few now in the league mm-hmm. that are you know have size and speed um
1: Now there's some of those guys in our division. I think they got, you know, Nuke Hopkins and um, who is a tall guy, and then AJ Green, who doesn't run like he used to, but is still big. Um, You know, both of them uh, in Arizona. I mean, it's it's a you're gonna need your taller guys, and so Flowers is a guy that I know fans won't love that because he's not the most popular player. Um, but he looked, he looked good. He was pushing, uh, how do you Reed.
0: cover guys like, uh, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel uh, in San Francisco? Like you, you've got to have two guys that are really tight.
1: Yeah. You have, um, you have DJ Reed
0: in there. And, and Witherspoon you said was, is just tight in coverage. Oh,
1: he looked so good. He looked like he could handle, like, he looked, he looked like a definite starter. Um, and honestly, you've also got Ugo Amadi.
0: And, and, eventually uh, Trey Brown. I mean, he no, might not be effective in game four or whatever. We face the 49ers um, fairly early in the season, but that second game,
1: yeah, in early December.
0: Got, like, that could have a, have an impact because oh, Samuel is a physical beast. You know, mm-hmm. if he can stay healthy, which he has a problem doing um, anybody else on the roster you want to talk about or coaching or scheme stuff that you saw that was interesting. I know that you've mentioned a little bit about how they move around a, a ton. We yeah. haven't seen Adams out there at all, which is tough, but. um,
1: Yeah. I would just say that, that the, the, they, they rotated around, they mixed up their coverages. This isn't, this is not the Legion of boom. We're going to play cover three on every play. It's going to look the same, and it doesn't matter that you know what we're doing because we're better at it than than you are at whatever you're going to do. Um, this isn't that they are. They have guys moving around. Like I said, you have uh, Ryan Neal was in there, and one play he was back as a deep safety. The next play he was up in um, in press coverage, one on one with a wide receiver. Um, the, next, the play after that, he was covering a slot. I mean, it was literally guys moving around, doing all sorts of everything. And it wasn't just Neil Blair was doing that, and um, you had digs you know, end up in in various spots, not quite as as dynamic as you know the the other two guys, but you know, doing that sort of thing. And and it just it just worked.
0: Um, so if there's a position group on that you know, that you like the most other than the offensive line, it's gotta be the defensive backs. Um, because you, you kind of get into it and sink into it a little bit and, and and really Uh kind of provide some good analysis there. My curiosity.
1: I really like the versatility that they have with the the three safeties I've mentioned and, Mm. and Randall and Amadi, um, and even flowers, who was a college safety, um, They move people around. They're not afraid to mix things up. And as long as the communication's good, so they're not making
0: mistakes. Let's talk about that. Let's talk um, about the communication aspect and and Quandre Diggs, because we don't talk about Quandre Diggs at all, but he just ends up being in the right spot quite a bit and making mm -hmm. plays on the ball and and being there, tip passes, tipping passes himself. Um, He just seems to be in the right spot all the time. And he's the guy that's really calling that back end. Um, we Again, we haven't seen Adams. And, and But from what I understand about what Ken Norton has said about Adams this year is they're going to use him in more of a traditional role as opposed to scheming him into the backfield as much as he did last year because I think we have the personnel to now kind of be, be a better rounded team, at mm-hmm. least going into the season, barring any injuries. So it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate him into this kind of this defense, which seems like it's young and hungry again and sort of kind of had a little bit of swagger that I'm kind of noticing a little bit,
1: a little bit. And I would say that he's going to fit in, in doing what Blair and Ryan Neal are. And that's, they're going to move him around, but not just blitz him, which is what they did a lot of last year at the end of the year, because they had to, it was the only way they were getting sacks and pressure. Um, and so instead, they're they're going to move him around. He's going to be um, doing all sorts of stuff in the secondary and and with the linebackers and 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 mixing things up. It's going to be really hard for opposing quarterbacks to know what Seattle's doing.
0: So there was a um, there was a piece put out. And gosh darn it! If I can't remember, maybe you know, but you've been pretty busy. Don't expect you to. But there was a thing that came out yesterday. Um, an NFC I think it was an NFC roundup maybe it was an entire NFL thing where they basically didn't have Seattle's defense in the top 20 Um, and just based on last year where the the team started really slow and then came on and was ranked 15th I think a lot of folks are just kind of seeing Seattle as being ranked 15th and then they see guys like um, KJ Wright moving on and Dunbar, who didn't really do anything, but they see that he was a starter, and then cool, Griffin cool is Griffin. gone, and they think that the defense is, has step, taken a step back. Mm-hmm. Why is the, why are they wrong, and why are we kind of have a little bit better insight as to actually what's going on? Um, Or could we be wrong, and could, we, could this entire thing being hinged on quote-unquote potential, which no. is Daryl Taylor and... Hyder working out and maybe a guy like Kim Dietschy coming in. And are we depending on Alden Smith to have a role in order for this defense to really be what we yeah. think it is, or is it just going to be? That's the really thing
1: good? is, is that Smith and Kim Dici can't earn playing time, but they're not linchpins on what this defense does. Um, the reason why I think that the national media has it wrong and the local media is much higher on Seattle is that we see the defense that was like third in the league for the last seven or eight games, um, and first in the league in sacks over that time, and we look at that as more of a jumping-off point than the team that that was giving up the historically bad number of yards and and stuff in the first you know six games, and so uh, it's all about the comparison of. The Seahawks defense reputation because of the first six games last year. I said they're just pathetic, and that um, that they they just don't give credit. There's no credit given to the you know once everyone got healthy and the scheme got figured out a little bit and everything got better. Um, Like none of there is no credit being given to that. And then
0: yeah, they. What role did the offenses that we faced have in that?
1: Uh, some. I mean, you can't say that it's not, but.
0: But you could still easily say that we're a top 10 defense.
1: Yeah. And, and I.
0: Top I, 10 kind of going into this season.
1: Yeah. And so and you look at, okay, so they lost Dunbar, which what we saw last year was addition by subtraction. Yeah. Um, the defense got better when they finally sat him down and was like, no, you're done. Um, your knee is, is not going to get any better. So go away. Um, and, you know, Griffin was a nice. Steady guy out there, but he was inconsistent. gave up some deep balls, and honestly, they replaced him with Witherspoon. And I actually think that's a you know, it, it, it's a it's a it's at least a lateral move. I think it, that,
0: it's at least a lateral move. I, I mean, think we that, really do need to see him in this defense. But so far in his career, yeah. I would say it's lateral or or slightly less than. Even though I don't, I wasn't Griffin, really a Griffin fan, especially in this defense. It just didn't just didn't work to me. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he Weatherstone's a much better fit for what the team tries to do on the back on the, on the boundaries.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I like that. Um, you know, they're getting Blair back. He didn't really play last year because the injury. Mm-hmm. They're getting him back. They're getting, um, you know, Daryl Taylor acclimated, and, and he's yeah. basically like getting a first round having yeah. having a first round pick
0: and done lap for the entire America. season. Um, Kerry Hyder, Alton Robinson entering his second season. Yeah. There's a lot there.
1: There's a lot there. And then, you know, Jordan Brooks. I know that, you know, seeing K.J. Wright leave is one of those things. But, you know, K.J. Wright didn't have the speed. And, and, you know, he didn't run as well as he used to and was at times a liability when he was on the weak side linebacker. Now, when they moved him to strong side, he did great. And that was he was fantastic, but you know Jordan Brooks is the weak side linebacker over there, and his play speed is much much faster um his coverage ability um when it comes to down the field a little bit more if he if if the play goes on longer is much better It's because he's got the speed to do it um and so I don't know if losing k j matters as much as people want to think that it does because you're going to get an improvement uh, just because he's in his second year out of Brooks and you're going to get uh, the stuff against the run that Daryl Taylor is going to bring uh, at the strong side linebacker spot and then you know when they run nickel which they're going to run nickel a lot this year uh, KJ wouldn't have been on the field anyway even if it was here he'd be off because he's strong side linebacker
0: well i don't advantage. want to disparage kj because he gave his his whole entire nfl career to us but um he ended up you know at the end he's he's kind of a one trick pony and it's a really good trick it, mm-hmm. which is blowing up screens you know and everything else he's kind of a chase linebacker which is okay um
1: he's really good at blowing up screens and it, but he was also he's good against the run and, well, and he's
0: good no i'm not saying he's not i'm just saying that that was his thing and he did it really well and then i think that he was a pretty decent linebacker overall oh, obviously yeah. he's got superior cognitive ability in that defense where the anticipation transcends his his slower and play speed at this point he's got mm-hmm. great length he uses that to his advantage quite a bit i'm not saying yeah i would love to have him back on the defense for just those skill sets um, even if he was to take a much reduced role, say he only ended up playing 30% of the snaps or whatever, as opposed to 85 or 90. Um, I still think the team would benefit from having a guy like that, especially at the cost that it would take to get him on the team. I don't understand. But, but then again, you look at the roster, Keith, we've already cut a whole bunch of guys that,
1: well, that if clearly you chance, are going
0: to be on somebody's team.
1: If you have a chance to bring KJ back and cut Alden Smith, do you do it? I think you do. Because you don't really, I mean, alden Smith is basically there as a hedge against a Daryl Taylor injury. And that's what he brings to
0: you. Yeah. Whereas. Yeah. But, you know, he does have the ability to play five tech, you know, and so you do have that sort of backup role there where you could have an edge setter, a guy that could really have an impact on rushing the passer if necessary. And we've got a ton of guys, but that's such a key position that i think that he ends up being a bigger playing a bigger role than i think that we have established for him right now i just don't know exactly how that turns out
1: yeah so i think you're looking at does this defense take a step back from the end of last year sure they're not, gonna, they're not going to they're not going to be the third best defense in the nfl
0: why not uh, um what if we end up getting to the passer right away i mean that's which possible. really is disruptive.
1: I mean, to me in order the only way that happens is if um Kim DJ just blows up and is amazing um uh, up, I, up the I middle
0: agree. because the, I think he's a bigger bigger cog in this thing than
1: uh, we but, think. But if he doesn't, then it's probably a top 10 defense, somewhere around 10, 10 to 12. I mean, it's good defense. It's not a bad defense. So th- for them to not be in the top 20 um doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I think the talent I mean, is Especially the and the depth is fantastic.
0: Yeah, and I think it was like Sheil or somebody that wrote that. Hmm. Which was a little surprising to me.
1: Yeah.
0: He's given usually. his insight. But you know, the um the thing about Kim DG is when you really kind of look at it and way everything is supposed to work together, Kim DG's role is huge. Or a guy like Kim DG. So you mm-hmm. take a look at Lattimore, you know, Brian Monet's probably not the same player, but he would end up having the same role. You know, Al Woods, those are kind of all interchangeable, but Kim Dietschy is the guy that could really have a impact on collapsing the pocket from the interior. And I'm I'm here for it because I think that would make the defense. I really do. I do think that, that that we're easily top 10. I think that we could be top five if our pass rush is number one. Like if we have the best pass rest in the league, that means that everything else is working really well. We've got enough guys there in the middle with like Jamal Adams and Brooks and Blair and Bobby Wagner and others to be able to really kind of clog things up there where teams aren't really being successful and converting third downs like they have been in the past. Um, And the back end is the back end. You know, I want to see it before I really kind of, but it's promising, especially what you had to say about Witherspoon. I think if Witherspoon comes through in the way that we're talking about him um, and, and pair that with DJ Reed and then you've got Flowers performing and Demarius Randall out there fairly steady um, and then Trey Brown coming on mid, mid-season, that could be a really good group. I think that it could definitely be top five. Now, the question is, Keith, top five offense. I think that we're going to have that. I think that's, I don't necessarily think it's a given. I just know it's true. (laughs) And the top five defense, top seven, I don't know that it's beyond top 10. Like that seems unrealistic. I think it's, it's in the top 10 discussion. Um, it's, is that a super bowl winning team?
1: You get top 10 offense, top 10 defense. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you have both you're a your team that, that makes a deep run in the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, it all comes down to the breaks.
0: It all comes down to Jason Myers. Maybe. And I understand he's having a great camp. He is having a great camp. Yeah, great last name, too.
1: Yeah, perfect last name. Um, You know who also had a great day at camp?
0: Tyler Ott. It's, you know, now we're mentioning <laughs> him two or three times a year, which is, you know. His press coverage is, is outstanding.
1: Uh, yeah, we are the only ones. <laughs> for, the, for those of you listening that don't re- understand the reference, he's the long snapper and a guy who you only talk about when he's terrible. Um, but luckily, the Seahawks have a good long snapper. So we talk about him just so that it's not where his name comes up only when he's bad.
0: But so <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Earlier, you mentioned John Ursua. I know that there's a lot of guys out there, you know, that really are kind of following him. It's his third third season, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sorry, it's kind of forgettable so far.
1: Yeah, um, he's, got, he's got one catch, um, and it was a big one uh, down at the one yard line against San yeah. Francisco that led to a win. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's it. He he's a guy that looked good. I, honestly, he looked he looked sharp and um ready to
0: contribute i would i I I heard Cade johnson made a couple plays in in one practice but that's the only mention i've heard of Cade johnson so far i know there's folks that are kind of interested in him as an undrafted guy
1: he didn't stand Uh, out to uh, me mm -hmm. and i wanted him to he's a guy that i really i liked his college tape i think
0: he can be good you know a guy that's interesting that plays a very similar role And if you watched any of the Stanford tape, like I went and watched, uh, tried to watch some tape for um, Kobe Parkinson. And and part of that, I saw Connor Weddington out there Mm -hmm. and noticed Connor Weddington as being a guy that's kind of that underneath receiver out of the slot that kind of just catches dump offs and all that kind of stuff that has the potential to create after the catch. A guy like that, possibly over Cade Johnson. Now Cade has been productive in college and so forth, but in a division two type environment, right? Um, so it'd be interesting, it'll be interesting to see if what that fifth or sixth wide receiver.
1: Yeah. It comes down, like. it'll come down to special teams, right? I mean, if you're in the sixth wide receiver,
0: it's going to come down to
1: um, who's the better special teams
0: player. Do you think they carry six? Yeah. Or seven? They've carried seven before. I just don't see that. I, I almost see the tight end group having four as opposed to the wide receivers having
1: Yeah, I seven. could see I could see Tyler Mabry making it mm-hmm. um over a guy like Weddington. Um, because of the fact that he was or out Ursa. there. He was out there on special teams drills, um, as a blocker uh, and field goal uh stuff as a as an outside blocker slash uh, get down the field and make a tackle guy on, on punts. Um, he was out there as a, you know, as a, the, not the outside guy that's, that usually you see getting around the corner to make a, make the block on a field goal. But as the, the third or fourth guy in from the edge that gets up the field, um, and jumps, uh, they had him there. And so, yeah, they've got, they've got guys that, uh, I mean, he's got a role. And so it's like, okay, can you fit him in? Like, where does he go? Where does he fit? And I think that, you know, Mabry offers them, you know, special teams flexibility that maybe a guy like Weddington doesn't because they, because do you want to have two guys the size of Penny Hart as your guy? Well, I
0: mean, you know, the only way I think that Weddington makes the team this right out of the gate is if he was happened to be picked to return punts or kicks or something like that, which is possible. I mean, he could be that dynamic guy and we just don't know it. I mean, he did that in college. So we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll end the show. I got two guys I want to talk about, uh, Gabe Jackson and uh, Damian Lewis. Did you have it or, or stone foresight? Do you have a chance to see those guys at all? And is stone foresight as big of a mountain as uh, he looks like? He,
1: okay. So Forsyth is bigger than Dwayne Brown. Um, he's taller, he's longer. Um, but as far as actually getting a chance to really dive into his play, I didn't get a chance to, um, in part because lack of pads makes it hard. And then they, they ran the drill, the uh, their one-on-one drills, um, down away from where I was at when I was focusing on the defensive backs. Um, and so, I didn't really get a good chance to look at at those guys, but um when it came time to running the um the eleven on elevens, you know, no pads, but uh, they all three looked fine. Um, they had Forsyth playing exclusively on the left side from what I saw, um not on the right. And he, yeah,
0: I like he, that actually.
1: and he did his job. um the problems with the pass rush came from the right tackle position. Uh, and so, well, that'll tell you a little bit about.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully yeah. they can get that figured out a little bit. Yep. Everything that I'm hearing from Pete, like repeatedly, he brings it up even sometimes without being asked. Cedric Abue, Cedric mm-hmm. Aboué, Cedric Aboué. He's going to get his chance. We had a great meeting at the end of, you know, when, when on the exit interviews. Mm-hmm. And he told Cedric that he was going to give him a chance because he felt like he made a mistake last year by not allowing him to really compete for that spot. And uh, Pete's damn serious about it because he's mentioned it many times and yep. it sounds like it's, they're almost interchangeable in practice with the number ones. Mm-hmm. So it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out because does Brandon Shell have the diversity to, to be that swing tackle or is he just a right tackle? And what does that do to the roster when they come down to making cuts?
1: Well, if he is just a right tackle, um, they can they either have to be okay with Forsyth coming in if Brown gets hurt. Yeah, or that's
0: exactly they to, what that means.
1: Or they would bring Shell in at right tackle and
0: swing Abu Ahe over from being the That's what they right would do. That, the that's what they would do, isn't it, Keith? That's what they did last year, I think.
1: They would they would do that um, maybe not in game, and move him back and forth in the middle of a game. Like they'd try and finish the game with either Shell or Forsyth at left tackle. Um, but then once they get into practice and and can can make that adjustment, they would they'd move Abuhi over. I think that's that would be the long term plan. Interesting. So um, the other things that I would have said is that. I don't know why Danny Etling's out there. He's um, gone now. what uh, so I said, it, he, um, he, and, and uh, Gino Smith were, when they were warming up, were just throwing, they were, they were both, both of them practicing, you know, throwing on the run. Um, like if they're running to their left and throwing with the right hand, right. So it's across their body. Um, and they were throwing, just throwing at the width of the field. And, you know, Gino was able to, to do it and get it all the way over there with no problem. And Atling literally couldn't get the ball across the field at all. Like he just had n- nothing, wow. on, nothing on the arms. Couldn't get, I, I was like, why, why is he on an NFL roster? And, and then the next, the next day. <clears throat> yeah. And <laughs> then, um, well, and also when they ran, um, you know, the team drills, like Alex, Alex McHugh got, you know, he, he got his snaps as the third string guy and uh, Elling didn't get a single one, and then the next day it was gone, um, and they brought in Sean Mannion. So, uh, And Mannion's a guy who knows the offense because he was the backup in, in L.A., so he knows um, what Waldron's trying to do and that kind of stuff. So
0: Yeah, um, you know, and Mannion's, and now, <laughs> Pete, it's funny, on Sunday, um, Pete came out literally before Mannion even landed at, at his first practice, and he said, you know, Mannion's coming in, you know, to take some snaps, but he's not competing with Geno Smith for the second spot. And I thought, God, it'd be tough, you know, to be a quarterback facing that it immediately. It's like, you know, you're just there to be a body, you know, and a guy that knows the offense that can help out can can, uh, you know, help translate plays and so forth real time on the field and in the huddle and so forth. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting, but you know, there's, manny not a slouch. He's just not a starting caliber quarterback. Yeah. but he's had that backup role in uh, with the Rams and then the last two years in Minnesota behind cousins um, so he does have that really good experience. He'd be kind of a guy that's a shadow roster guy at, you know beyond uh training camp mm-hmm. just to, just to you know
1: in case something happened if something happened and they needed a quarterback, he'd be the first guy they'd call type of thing um, He also is a guy that um, is looking for another shot. Right, he's looking for another team to say, "Hey, uh, we need a backup quarterback who's out there." And so he's going to get an opportunity in Seattle to come and place, get some preseason snaps, and have there be some film on him. Hmm. So that way, if you know, uh, backup quarterback, and you know, pick a team, Uh, the Eagles goes down, um, and (laughs) they just
0: going to say Carson Wentz comes to mind.
1: Yeah. Or actually, I was thinking you thinking more. Um, what popped into my head was, oh, if they trade Minshew from uh, Indianapolis or from Jacksonville to Indianapolis, so he could go be their starter,
0: that
1: yeah. they're going to need a backup, and so Sean Mannion
0: could land. There. You know, the other spot is that's really interesting right now is that apparently the Philadelphia Eagles and the Houston um, Texans are in deep discussions right now on a trade that would take, uh, bring Watson to, uh, the Eagles. And I assume ship, uh, hurts out, but, um, that would make the Eagles instantly much better. Um, but who knows, right? Who knows how much, uh, Mm -hmm. mental baggage stuff is going on with that deal. I know that, you know, Uh, The Eagles aren't a desired club to kind of go to right now, especially if you're a quarterback. Um, But it would be a much better deal for the Eagles going forward to have Watson in there.
1: I'm surprised that Denver is not in on that.
0: Denver's got. um,
1: Got Bridgewater and Locke, but they don't like, they don't like either one of them. Um, And they would be a a good
0: roster too. They've got a defense um, and a, and a, good enough offense where if they had a decent quarterback, they would probably get into as as a wild card. Mm -hmm. And with Locke, you just don't know. And so you're right there. So you're right. I mean, they could have an improvement there right away, make them a contender right away. I think Mm -hmm. if you had Watson in there.
1: Yeah. So, um, and then they're, they are the ones that if, if things fell apart with, you know, um, in green Bay, they were going to jump on the Aaron Rodgers train and, whatever it took to get him in Mm um i think with watson because of his legal problems everyone's a little more leery i mean the talent's obviously there but it's going to be one of those things where anything that you do if you're going to trade them say you you trade two first round picks both of those picks have got to be conditional on you know did he get does he get suspended if he gets suspended, you know now one of the for let's say he gets suspended for four games, um one of those first becomes a second if it becomes eight games, one of those first becomes a third. if it becomes the whole season, then one of those first becomes or the, the second the second <laughs> first becomes a fifth um type of thing where you end up your your compensation ends up going way down if, if he doesn't play um I think that's the only way that a deal gets done.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's the real interesting thing. I I saw you know, two sources uh last night late, like 11 something come out and um confirm this um this conversation happening between teams and so it'll be interesting to see if something happens today because it would need to happen fairly soon if they want him to kind of get into the offense and and be able to to be ready for week 1. So Um, I think we're done. I think we had a great show. It's good talking to you. We covered a lot of stuff. Thank you for, uh, for going to training camp for uh, the Seahawks playbook podcast, Keith, and uh, being the correspondent on the ground.
1: (laughs) That was you know what, it was a, it was a blast to go up and and see practice. And it's always fun to do that because I learn way more uh, for the day or two that I get to go up and actually be at practice than I do watching any of the live stream stuff, Um, like the rest of training camp, like the actual being there matters.
0: So Uh, talk to me just real quick. How was being there really matters? Just being with other people that
1: are like fans. Okay. That was cool too. Like everyone there was in, in Seahawk gear and they cheer at a big play. And it was like, Hey, this is football again. Unlike last year with empty stadiums, and and uh, it was, yeah, it was definitely um, having that energy was fun.
0: It was. I just hope it lasts because this Delta variant thing. Don't want to get into too much of that stuff, but nonetheless, my my uh, wife's company uh, is just started traveling again in May, the end of May, June. And they just yesterday announced that they're going to stop. They're going to put a moratorium on company travel and um, they're going to wait this thing out. So mm-hmm. it's, who knows? It end yep. up being just like it was last year. I, and, and we're only a month away and they've already sold tickets and they've already announced we're going to have crowds, all that kind of stuff. But this thing's serious enough where it could have the impact that we all don't want to see. Could actually happen. And I'd hate to see that. It would just suck. But yeah, it you, is know, what it is. you
1: know how to avoid that?
0: Yeah, I absolutely know.
1: Everybody go get your vaccination. Absolutely. Everyone goes gets their vaccination, it it shuts this thing down, and we don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, because there's fewer transmissions, and yes, it's possible for a breakthrough mm-hmm. infection, but you won't get super sick. Mm-hmm. Um, which you might if you don't have it. And If you aren't exposed because everyone else also got theirs, then there's going to be a lot fewer of the breakthrough transmission. So just go get your vaccine, people. Yeah. I want to go to football games.
0: I know. Do it. That's what it's about. Do it for me. Do it for me. It's our freedom. It's our freedom to go to a
1: game. Do do it as a personal (laughs) favor for me, because (laughs) if you all go get your vaccines, (laughs) then I can go watch the team play.
0: Yeah. That's what it's really about. In fact, that's what the <laughs> message should be out there. This isn't a political thing. It's all about football. Come on, people.
1: Yep. Get it done.
0: <laughs> all right. Um, find us on Twitter at Hawks Playbook. Find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NWC Hawk. And um, the show is uh, has a website. And we like the website. We wish everyone would go visit. And um, I think you would really like it. It's Seahawksplaybook.com. All the major podcast platforms have us out there, as well as our own YouTube channel, which go subscribe. Be one of the very first ones to subscribe. Because I think it's just gonna be huge. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. So that's it. Uh next week we are going to be um in our talking about the scrimmage. So we're going to have a little bit of football to talk about um, where there's some live action uh, that we can comment on. And then we're previewing the first, the the first um, preseason game. We're going to be at the Raiders uh, next weekend. So a week from this coming Saturday. Um, And then we'll have real stuff to talk about real games, real action. The
1: Raiders or Denver for the first one?
0: I'm pretty sure it's the Raiders.
1: Hmm. Um, I had that wrong in my head.
0: August something or other. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to keep up with it all. It is the Raiders. Uh, we have a, a preseason game preview show scheduled for August 10th, um, which I think means that the game I think is on August the 14th, 5th, Saturday the 14th. Uh, 14th, yep. yes, August 14th. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. anyway, go ahead.
1: I was going to say I had the the those two games flipped in my head.
0: Yeah, they're both right. they're, they're both the same. Raiders, Broncos, we don't like them. Um,
1: no, but. old rivals. <laughs>
0: exactly. All right, let's talk next week. Um, thanks for joining us, everybody, and until next time, go Hawks. go Hawks! Seahawks playbook podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter: Bill is at nwseahawk, Keith is at Myers NFL, and the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.